0: Well, keep your Bibles right there, and we're going to get there in a second. Um, I want to recognize someone that's here this morning. Um, Christine's husband is back from serving in Afghanistan, Toby. Glad to have you here, and uh, thanks for, for serving. So, uh, I want to kind of lay my cards on the table. Um, So, it's been an interesting week for my family. A lot of you know, and God, you got to help me here. Um, So,. My desire as a pastor is that, that this moment and this time be the unpacking of the truth of God's Word, okay, it, in a collision of what God's doing in my life, okay, but, but I don't want it to be story time about Dave's life, like I, I, I'm just being vulnerable, I wrestle with that as a pastor, because I don't just want to get up here and tell you like, all the illustrations or here's the different stories from my life and because di- like, it's not just like about me. At the same time, God's put me in this place to preach and minister the word of God in this moment. And if someone told me this week that God knew before the beginning of time what would take place this week. That Rick would be out of town. That my wife and I would start our journey of fostering they received two broken and hurting kids. So, so it's it's been a it's been a journey of a week. It's been terrible and it's been so beautiful. And so uh, I, I on one hand I apologize because I, I can't dichotomize the scripture. And, like, where I've been this week. I, I just can't do it. And so I feel the freedom from the Lord to not even try, okay? And so um, he's going to help me, I know, and we're going to stop this crap. Sorry. Because, <laughs> um, uh, no, we're like, we're right in the text. Right where, it got, right where we're playing, right where months ago Rick mapped out John, and we're right in. The tech. Like I'm not diverting to tell you about what you know to come alongside like the journey that we've had this week to teach about what. Like this is where God's had us from from the beginning of time. John chapter one, and it happens to be the same week that two broken, incredible kids have joined my family, and so uh, pray with me, and then we'll. See how this goes. <laughs> Jesus, um, you are funny. <laughs> I could run through a whole list of things, Father, as to why this pres- present moment should not be happening the way it is. I could not be more unequipped and prepared. And at the same time, I know that in the truth of your word, that at the same time, I could not be more equipped and prepared. And so, um, God, I just entrust you with the collision of what you've done in my life this week and what you want to do in the life of our church, and and just this morning with the unpacking of the story of John the Baptist. And so, God, temper the tears um, so that we don't have to just hear me cry all day. And uh, God, come and engage us. Might some that sit in this room that... uh, Have hardly had their emotions evoked recently. Would you evoke them, God? Would you stir them? That maybe they're just so hard. Would you stir them this morning? God, where we're hurting, that we behold you as the Lamb of God who enters into brokenness, who became brokenness. So God, I just just, uh, entrust this time to you and ask for your help in Christ's name. Amen. Um, This is going to be really awkward, but if someone could get me a Kleenex. (laughs) I've never blown my nose in front of this many people. In fact, I always like to go to the restroom and do that because I just think it's gross. But um, (laughs) we just... compared to how this week's been, like that's, this, that was the least of my worries, so <laughs> <laughs> we're good. We're good. Okay, um, John chapter 1. Now I want to go back a couple verses. We're going to be in 19 through 34, but I want to back up to verse 6. Here's what it says. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay, now, We've got to be careful here because John's talking. But John's talking about someone. John's not talking about himself. He's talking about John the Baptist, a different John. It says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay, who is John? Here's here's who he is. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. So John comes on the scene and he's a voice and a testimony about Jesus who is the light, okay? It says he came to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. So it's like, through John's life, he would be such a testimony that people would go from a position of, no, uh uh-uh, Jesus, no, absolutely not. The the Son of God, absolutely not. To a position of, like, submitting and throwing themselves at the mercy of Jesus. To belief in Jesus he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So no, notice, notice what it says there. So, although John's the witness to, to, to take what's dark and bring light into it, it makes it incredibly clear he's not the one that's being pointed at. It's not like, look at him, the one who's coming to show Christ that it's it's about him. No, it's like he's not the light. But he came to bear witness about the light that belief might happen, that all may believe. We read, okay, I, God wants to do something with your belief this morning. God wants to do something with my belief this morning. God wants to do something with our unbelief this morning, that we might believe him a little bit more, a little bit more, okay? But probably not this like we're all in, but just maybe a little bit more in wherever we're struggling, wherever we're wrestling, whatever God's doing in our relationships, in our situations, that we might just be pushed a little bit further along the journey because there's so many, and even us, that darkness clouds our view. Because here's the, here's the hard thing about bringing light to a situation. What do you have to have for light to be seen? There has to be some element of darkness. Okay, if there's no darkness, then what is light, right? Rick unpacked that last week. If there's no darkness present, then where does light show up? How do we understand light? God wants to show us that light. So who is this John? And what did he have to say? Go to verse 19. It says this. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Okay, so... So we got to understand this because if we go to elsewhere in other, other scriptures, other passages, other gospel accounts of this story where John the Baptist comes on the scene, we see him preaching what? What's the message that John the Baptist preaches? Repentance. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So he, he comes on the scene and he's this bold proclaimer of the truth. Okay, now... There's some authorities that send some delegates to go and figure out, like, who is this guy? He's coming on the scene, and he's this bold, like, putting his foot down, like, he has some authority. We, we need to figure out who this guy is. And so it says that they sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask you, who are you? Now, we've got to back up for a second to understand what's going on here. So I want you to turn back in your Bible to the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. And it's literally the last, second to last verse. It's the final prophecy we see in the Old Testament. Here's what it says. Malachi 4, 5. Behold. Pay attention to that word because it's going to show up again later in in our time this morning. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Okay, so, so understand this. God's people, Israel, the Jewish people, the chosen nation, their final word from their prophet who, who spoke for God, who gave a message from God, their final word was this. I'm going to send Elijah. Okay, now, what happens between Malachi and Matthew in the Bible? It's what's called 400 years of silence, okay? Where there was no prophet that stepped up. There was no spoken revelation from God. So so picture that. God's people being directed and led by prophets, by leaders who spoke for God. And one comes along and says, I'm going to send you Elijah, okay? And then, silence. So what's everybody doing? They're like, where's Elijah? Where's Elijah? We've been led by prophets, God. The the, the spiritual um, rule and progression of the nation of Israel happened through leaders and ministers and prophets. Okay, so now they're like, okay, this guy comes on the scene. Who, Who is this guy? Okay, what do, what do we know about, let me back up a sec, P- picture that, and maybe you're here this morning and you resonate with that, like, it's been a drought in my life, it's been like, like maybe it's years, maybe it's, you feel like it's days or months, or, but however long this drought where you haven't heard from God, you haven't sensed the voice of God, you haven't sensed the presence of God in your life, I believe this morning God wants to stir that up. In the same way that this week, God stirred some things in my life that I never, never knew and never saw in ways I'd never seen him before. Okay, so who's Elijah? Anybody? I forgot to study this part, so this is where I'm like, you need to help me. Okay, prophet, priest of Baal. Elijah's the guy um, that in, in, in the Old Testament, but also depicted in James chapter 5, verse 17, it says that he prayed fervently that it would not rain on the earth. And for three years and six months, it did not rain. Has anybody done that? I mean, somebody needs to pray about this weather, right? Okay, that, that's a guy with, like, God's doing something in that guy's life to bring about that kind of, of change and that kind of work that for three, over three years it doesn't rain, and then he reverses it. He prays that it would rain, and the rain returns. But here's what's amazing. John chapter 5 verse 17, I'm sorry, James chapter 5 verse 17 says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Roger was a man with a nature like ours. We put these people up on pedestals. He was just like us who fervently sought the Lord. And the Lord heard his prayer and the Lord answered his prayer. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Okay, go to to Luke. We'll, We'll get back to John in just a second. Let's jump to Luke 1 real quick. Still trying to explore this guy named John the Baptist. They wonder if he's Elijah, the powerful prophet who was predicted to come. But Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Listen to this prediction of John the Baptist. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, or Judea, There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no children. Because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his, his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside of, outside of the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So picture this. Zacharias sitting there performing his duties as a priest, and uh, this angel appears. It's got to be fairly traumatic and interesting. Um, And Zechariah, verse 12, was troubled, you think? Uh, I would be. Um, Was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. The angel said to him, "Do, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and listen, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the, to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now go back to John. Okay, so John the Baptist is preaching repentance with authority and power unlike the Jews had seen in years. So they send some people, go figure out who this guy is. He might be the guy. And So they're like, who, who are you? Verse 20, and he confessed and did not deny, but confessed. Notice the awkwardness of that. He confessed, but did not deny, but, but confessed. You know what that really is saying? Can't see it in the English, but it is an emphatic opposite. Okay? Holding up as high as you possibly can in language, in, in the Greek language here in the English, to say, in no way am I anything like the Christ. Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, are you, are you Elijah? There it is. Right? I mean, that would make sense, right? Based on all that we just looked at, all that we just studied, it would make sense that they would think, this, maybe this is Elijah. Like, this has got to be the guy. And he said, I'm not. You know, another one bites the dust. Are you the prophet? And that's from Deuteronomy chapter 18, where the Lord was talking to Moses and said He was going to send a prophet to come. So, I get, are, are are you the the prophet? And he answered, "No." So they said to him, "Who who are you?" We need to give an answer. I mean, they just, they're just utterly frustrated at this point. Like, we got to give an answer. We, we don't give an answer like we'll probably lose our job because it's kind of our job here to come and figure out who you are. What do you say about yourself? Verse 23. He said, I'm just a voice. I'm not really in anybody. I'm just the voice crying out from a barren place. A broken man. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. You better get ready. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. So he threw in Isaiah because he knows they'd know Isaiah. Because so the ministry of John the Baptist is one, not that he'd be Elijah, even the prophetic word about Elijah coming, it's, it's one like Elijah, in the power of Elijah, that would come. Okay, you're like, who cares? It's like early on in my prep, Danielle was like, what does John the Baptist have to do with us today? And I was like, I don't know yet, I'll tell you later. <laughs> I really, I was like, I don't really have a freaking clue. But picture this. Picture the unbelievable opportunity and calling from God to be a voice for the preparing of, of the fields, for the preparing of hearts, for the work of Christ to come and enter. So John the Baptist is like, Jesus is coming. The Son of God is coming. And I've been sent to tell you, you better get ready. One, because he's God. There should be a level that when we even think about coming to church, that we're like, we're going to meet with God. Yes, we we have our identity in him. Yes, we're absolutely accepted in him. Yes, we can come to him without fear. But listen, he's God. We can't lose that. So John John the Baptist is this voice. But but here's the the crazy thing that, that I experienced so so painfully this week is the reality that 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 voice and the recipient of the gospel becomes the minister of the gospel to prepare the way. I was so funny because so we're trying to do our normal routine, which was absolutely insane. Like there's no normal routine anymore in my house. Which, if you know me, like, that just doesn't go very well, because um, I'm kind of a, like, here's how we do it um, type of guy. And uh, and so we're all sitting at the counter, um, and we're getting ready to eat. We're trying to introduce, like, the prayer, because I don't think, um, well, obviously the four-month-old is just the four-month-old. But two-year-old, he he's, like, all over the map and all over the place, and he wants macaroni and cheese, and then he wants oranges, and then he wants to play, and then he wants to... Yeah, all of the maps. So, like, we're like, okay, before we eat, we pray. And he's like, play? He's <laughs> like, I, w- I want to play. And, and at this point, like, my kids are just, like, roll, Like, they're just laughing hysterically. Um, and so here's this kid who, if you don't know much about foster care, I won't bore you a ton, because um, I know many of you, you will never be called to it. Um, you will never do what God's called us to. And that's great. That's fine, okay? Um, but so... Foster care is where broken and neglected kids who, on some level, have been abandoned or abused or harmed are taken from the custody of their parents and given to the custody of the state, and then they enter into homes. And so, um, I won't share with you the, the back story right now about the kids that we have, but um, they're they're broken kids that are in desperate need of of love, and I was joking this week that that they went from neglect to overstimulation. My kids are like, oh, really like I want to hold you, I want to like push you down, I want to like I love you, and um. But listen, the, the, the reality of 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 the ministry of John the Baptist sets up for you and I in the same way that it's set up. For the believers in that day, the means by which we prepare the way for Christ to come and enter a little heart that's broken and hurting, for Christ to come and enter the heart of your coworker, the heart of the person sitting next to you, for, the, for them to, to, to somehow see a little bit, or come to maybe believe a little bit. I was so baffled as a kid when I was taught about evangelism. Because evangelism to me was like this praying the prayer deal, right? And so I'd go to different camps and I, I would bring kids from the community and I'd lead kids to pray what was called the sinner's prayer, right? Maybe you're familiar with that. I'd lead kids to pray the sinner's prayer. And I didn't understand why they weren't like, like, ah, like <laughs> transformed. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I was just like, the kid just prayed the magic words and, and he's like, still the same, Aren't they like magic? And I was just baffled by that. Until in the last several years, I've come to realize that people are more discipled into the faith. That discipleship starts pre-Christ. And people, people come to understand. So like these little kids in our home, we're like, we're teaching them. Here's, here's what a Christian home looks like. We're preparing the way. Here's what a loving family looks like. Hey, you don't throw a toy at your friend. Like you love them and you protect them. And here's what here's the beautiful thing. Like they're siblings. Okay, and the little boy calls calls her sister. My sister, can I hold my sister? Like, yeah, buddy, you protect your sister. Like she's all you have, right? You take care of her. You're together. And we're praying that God would would heal their home and they'd go home and God would intervene and God would work. But we're discipling them. Into Christ to understand and know the gospel. I don't know that I'll ever, for a long time, get to the point where I'll try to lead him to pray a prayer. But we're leading, and loving as painful and difficult and emotional as it has been for us. Um, in the same way that John, we're preparing the way. In the same way that John the Baptist is preparing the way for Christ to come and take root. That's our job as Christians. The gospel's come and transformed us, and we live it out to to transform others. That are people that are broken. Broken hurting people. Twenty-four. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you were neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? So they're like, okay, so you're none of the people that we thought you were. So why are you doing the, the whole baptism thing? Because, like, the, you know, in the Jewish time, like, there were, there were rules and regulations for who performed cleansing ceremonies, right? Okay, so they're like, you're doing things that, like, we're supposed to do. We're the priests. We're the Levites. You're nobody, according to, like, your testimony. Just a voice. Well, that's a good one. Like, that's going to help when we go back to our boss and tell you who you are. You're just a voice. They're going to come and probably try to kill you. John answered them, gosh, this is so good. I baptize with water. So so like, on one hand, I I love the fact, just the simplicity of like, I just take people and I dunk them in the water as a symbol. Okay, one, one one of the proof texts why not only pastors can baptize people, okay, why when we dunk people in the water, Like we want fathers to baptize their kids. We want those that led people to Christ to baptize the. Like you get that? Like there's no, there's no like, broken down here. We don't have this like hierarchy. Sorry, that was kind of a tangent. I didn't know that I wrote prepared to say that, but my mind is everywhere. Um, He's like, "I, I baptize with water, but but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. So, so picture this, okay? People that were really, really, really important in this time, and, and there's even some that exist today and in different parts of the world, they have slaves, people that do things for them. Um, and one of the jobs of, of a slave was to wash the feet of their master, was to take off their shoes, so they enter the house. They, you know, take off their shoes. They would wash their feet, so they didn't track all the mud into the house. Okay, that's like the lowest of like the like the lowest job you could get. And here, John the Baptist is like, I'm not even worthy to do that. I'm just a guy who was sent from God, and I baptize people with water as a symbol of the one that's going to come and. Baptize you in the Holy Spirit, which we spent a great deal of time talking about in the past days, as a picture of Jesus. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Notice, notice the humility. Now, what right do we have to be ministers of God? Apart from the fact that he grants it to us. Every one of us. He grants us the opportunity. Listen, the opportunity. Like I need a mirror right here right now. To enter into brokenness. Gosh, I thought I knew what brokenness was. Listen, guys, we don't have a clue. Some of you do. Some of us do. Some of you probably should have warned me. Because you knew. Like, I can't believe they're getting into it. We didn't have a clue. We were trained with the classes like. We're equipped by God to engage the broken. Verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. Now, now picture this. So he, he says, he says he saw Jesus coming, and he's like, behold. Okay, now, there's a lot of things going on in, in our world today that's helping us see things better, okay? So one of them is, you guys ever gotten any of these? So the other day, this was several weeks ago, um, we uh, took my kids to see uh, Frozen. These are 3D glasses. Like, I didn't just get glasses. Like, I know they look terrible. Okay, so we took my kids to see the movie Frozen. And um, w- one of the coolest things for me, so my daughter's sitting next to me, and she, like, loves the glasses. And then you got Tobin, who's, like, doesn't even know what they do. And so, um, so, Mikhail's sitting there, and I'm watching her. like, watch the movie, and she's like... <laughs> you know, a- airplanes coming at the screen, and she's like, she's like whoa, like... You know, it's going to hit me in the head. She's see, she was seeing things in a way she'd never had before. Um, have you seen the the things that are out called Google Glass? <laughs> like, I mean, I guess. Like, technology, you know, sure. Um, but I was looking at them um, this week, and um, they, like, put this little box in the screen and it'll show you the weather and it'll like record and i you know i guess it's like the you know the camera that like when you're snowboarding like it sees everything i guess it kind of does that and, but it allows you to see life differently it gives you a perspective and allows you to experience life different from just normal okay john's talking about seeing jesus in a way that we've never seen him before i wonder if some of us are content with how we know Jesus to be and who we know Jesus to be. And are just content with seeing him and how we've always seen him. Or if something new, like we're introduced to something new, we're just kind of resistant to it, we're unsure of it. But John the Baptist says that we behold the Lamb of God that we, he longs that in his ministry that people would see God like they'd never seen him before. Like that's, I think every time I get up here, that's my heart, is that you and I would see God like we've never seen him before. That our eyes would be changed because every single one of us, the view we have of Jesus is way too small. And how we see the world around us and how we see life around us, how we see our own lives, how we see our own sin and brokenness is, we're just not there yet. Can we agree on that? In every single moment of every single day, we need to behold Christ. We need to see Him. You know, we need, we need to be like the kid, like my daughter's sitting there watching Frozen, you know, like the airplane comes at her, and she's, you know, like we need to see, like the excitement, like I'm seeing something here. I'm reading the Word, like God's doing something here. I'm in the midst of this brokenness. I'm seeing God in ways that I've never seen Him before. And it hurts. It's not comfortable. It's comfortable like having my own kids and doing my own that was kind of comfortable. Like, it hurts, it's hard. We don't like to see things differently sometimes. Here's the hard thing. When it comes to seeing God, God fresh, God anew. Oftentimes, the reason I think I, I resist it personally is like, is I want control. So God shows up like something new, like wants me to experience something new, wants me to experience Him in a new way. All of a sudden, now, like I, I don't know how to handle that. I don't know what to do with that, and I, and I have to let go. Right? Like I got to then be teachable. I gotta then allow him to mold my heart and shape my heart and shape my life, to see him fresh, to let him do what he wants to do. It's been unbelievably hard to behold him in a new way that, on some levels, is hard for my kids, especially Mikhail. Like they love him, they're having fun with these kids. But like the emotional roller coaster for them and the, the meltdowns that they've had, it's like, gosh, this is rough. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. So, so as a dad, like, okay, God's doing, God's doing something here, and and I'm like the protector, and I even told Danielle this morning, I'm just like, it's so hard for me to bring bro to allow brokenness into my home. Okay, in a way that we've never like. Okay, we're broken people. We talk about that all the time. We're all broken people in need of, desperately in need of Jesus. Okay? There's brokenness out there. It's, okay, we're broken. We need Christ to save us. Okay? But we, we have, we're healthy function lives. We know how to love. We know how to forgive for the most part. Like there's a, there's a brokenness out there that doesn't know any of that. Some of you know that way better than I do. So I don't want to sit here and try to say that none of us get that, because some of you get that. Okay, I'm just saying, I've, I experienced that this week in a way that I hadn't before, and so, so we let brokenness be dropped off at our front door, so to speak, come and live with us, and here in this, in this moment, like, there's this, these fights going on. I mean, the little boy's got a I had to message caseworker because Tobin chucked a toy in Bruce's nose, and I'm like, I don't want to get hotlined, Right? Okay, because there's, just, there's this battle raging in this, this kid's world and in my kid's world and this collision. It's terrible, but it's beautiful. It's incredible. God's working and opening our eyes and like, listen, I'm not my kid's protector. I am, but I'm not. It's so hard for me as a dad to... Not be like, what'd you do to him? It's my boy. No, foster son is my boy too now. So God's stretching the view of who he is to see him as a lamb of God. Behold the lamb of God. What What do we know about the lamb of God? Get two specific instances. Okay, Genesis chapter 22, we have um, God tells Abraham to go and sacrifice your son. Right? Go and sacrifice your son. And what happens? He's like, what are you talking about? Sacrifice my son? I feel like on some level, like, I'm just like, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing to my kids right now. Okay, go and sacrifice your son. And what happens? He, he starts walking in obedience. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And God provides that sacrificial animal. Moments before, he's ready to, to, to do the unthinkable. It doesn't even compute in our minds and provides a sacrificial lamb. In Exodus, the final plague under the rule of Pharaoh. Are you familiar with that? The death of the firstborn, the firstborn son. What happens? They're told if you go and you kill a lamb and you smear its blood on the doorposts and the death angel passes over, your child will be spared. What is that depicting? Christ. As the Lamb of God, the one who, for you and I, would be put in our place, would be crucified on the cross, the Lamb of God. Behold, see God, see Jesus as the sacrifice, the means by which you and I can enter in, be forgiven everything from the past. Everything from the present, everything to the future. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here's the crazy thing about Jesus, is what did he do? He entered into our brokenness. you know how crazy that is? you know how messy that is? That Jesus would come. Come on, guys. You know you, right? Like, I know me. And that God would transcend heaven to earth. would Come down here to this mess. And engage with us. To forgive us. To not just like push aside sin. To not just like overlook sin. But to actually come and take it away. That we can be free from the consequence or free from the penalty and the punishment of sin. And have relationship and see the Lamb of God. Yeah, the consequences of sin are all around us. All around us. To see God in a new way. The one who, as Isaiah said, he was afflicted. He opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. It's as if John's saying, "Like I want us to behold Jesus in a way that we've never beheld him before." And one of the means by which we do that is not just engaging God interpersonally, but engaging God outwardly okay because if we if we go down in the passage look at verse 31 it says i myself did not know him but for this purpose i came baptizing with water that he might be revealed the people that had never understood him never known him might actually begin to see him that their eyes might be open that where darkness reigned and this two-year-old's little heart and little world that he might come to see hope and broken, and to, to enter into his brokenness. And it's messy and it's hard and it's painful. But the crazy thing is, is that John baptized with water, but what did Jesus do? He gave us himself through the person of the Holy Spirit and worked salvation into our hearts, not to just jump ship, And say, good luck. But to stay here in the midst of the pain. And to stay here in the midst of the brokenness. That you and I might be ministers of reconciliation. Listen, if the gospel isn't about others in your life, you don't have the gospel. If the gospel is just about you, what God's done for you, yes, God's done an unbelievable amount for you, but the truth of the gospel is is that it pushes us to care about the hearts of others, to care about the broken, to enter into pain, to enter into brokenness. And listen, that might be your spouse that you live with every day that you don't want to have a hard conversation with. You don't want to help her deal with the pain of her past. It might be a child that's been hurting, that's been hurting or picked on. And you just kind of neglect it. You just kind of want well, teachers to take care of it. But no, you enter into their brokenness. You experience their pain, not because you have all the answers, but because you just hold them. You just hold them. So last night um, it was interesting. Um, so uh, Danielle decided to go to Target with Mikhail, and she, uh, she's like, the four-month-old is almost asleep. And so she heads out the door with Mikhail. So I'm getting the boys, um, keywords almost. Um, I'm getting the boys uh, brushing their teeth, um, which two-year-old and three-year-old brushing their teeth is a journey and an adventure, and um, it's like a toothpaste party. All over the beer. Then they like, you know, they stand at the toilet and they they set their toothbrush on the toilet seat. And you're like, no, 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 no. Like, yeah, we cleaned it, but like, it's the toilet. And I'm like, okay, so it's, it, you know, you guys, you guys get it, right? <laughs> and so, I'm trying to get the boys to brush their teeth. The four month old is screaming her head off, and I almost pull out my phone to text Danielle. I'm like, nice one, babe. Almost asleep, but I knew she'd feel bad. And I, and I'm just like, you know what, this is what God's called us to, like, we're going to make it. So I go grab her, and I'm holding her, and we do, she's just chilling in my arm, brushing teeth. And so then it's story time. So, um, and the the three-year-old, and I'm intentionally not using names here um, because this is being recorded, but um, the the almost three-year-old, he uh, is terrified of going to bed, terrified. And I don't, I don't know what's there, I don't know what's happened, but just we wait till the absolute last second to say it's bedtime, because he's just going to lose it. So, but last night he kind of picked up on, okay, brush our teeth, and he's like, wait, brush your teeth. Like, okay, so he's just starting to know the process, right? And so, so uh, I'm like, okay, we're going to read books, and he's like, read books on the couch? I'm like, yeah, buddy, we'll read them on the couch, (laughs) not in your bed, we'll read them. So we go, and, and, uh, we read Pete the Cat and with his four groovy buttons and um uh, there's a little video app for it. It's pretty sweet and and then uh we read uh Pete the Cat and his crazy sunglasses and then Tobin goes and gets his Bible and I'm like, Well yeah, like sure. So, you know, we read uh several different Bible stories and and uh and meanwhile the little girl is sitting there in my arms and just chilling and and uh the boys, I'm like, okay, go, go get in your beds. And um, Tobin goes and gets in his bed and starts to read and um, starts to fall asleep. And the other little boy goes in his bed and you know, he's like, will you lay with me? And he's starting to cry and he's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to go to bed and starting to fight it. And and uh, so I'm like, nobody, like you, like you can, like, you're gonna be okay. I'm, I'm not gonna leave. Like you can't say, hey, well, I'm gonna leave now. He's like, huh, right? Like I'm gonna go in the other room. Okay. I'm protecting you, like, you're okay, the nightlight's on, here's this now, you hold it, okay, like, and I'm right here, okay, you're going to be okay, and he's kind of crying, so I leave, um, and uh, go and put the little girl to bed, and about 10 minutes later, he comes out, and he's done this numerous times in the five days he's been at our house, and he comes out, and he just looks at me, and he goes... Goes, uh, I'm sad. Just with a sad frown on his face. And I'm like, I, don't, I don't know what's that. What's there, right? Like I don't know what that means. I'm just like. And so, what I would tell my own kid: I'll go get in bed. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Hug your flashlight pile a little tighter. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. That's what everyone's done to him. So, uh, so I go in his room, and uh, he gets in bed, and I sit on the floor, and uh, I'm just talking with him, and uh, just rubbing his back, and for uh, about 15 minutes, I-, I sat there, and he's just kind of talking to me, and he's like, I'm tired, and he yawns. And then, no, like, two minutes later, I'm not tired. And uh, he just rubbing his back, and he and he, and he falls asleep. And uh, I just, I just sat there. And there's been several times throughout this journey. And he's the most affectionate. He's a little scared, right? He's a little freaked out by all you. I'll just tell you. But he's unbelievably affectionate just kind of weird like that what doesn't make sense we're trying to figure that out but he's like he'll hug you he'll kiss anybody um and uh so there's been there's been several different instances where i'm just weeping over the course of the the past five days and he looks me in the eye and he's like don't don't cry it's gonna be okay Okay. i even had tobin say that once and I mikhail said that to me once Being a minister of the gospel, where God's placed you, with whatever that looks like for you. Listen, that, this is what it looks like for me and us. And I am just can't dichotomize that. I don't feel like I'm supposed to. Entering into brokenness is painful. And loving the broken is painful. But listen, it will heal you. You will behold Jesus in a way you've never have before. And the broken will be the one that will be looking you in the eye and saying, you know what? Don't cry. It's going to be okay. Almost as if he's preaching the gospel to me and he doesn't even know it. It's like John's conclusion. Verse 34. And I've seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. and God, like God's in it. God's in this thing. Christian, child of God, what you're feeling right now, where you sit right now, in the weightiness, if it's there, or the joy, if it's there, God, the God of heaven is in it. Whatever transition you're walking through, whatever you're trying to figure out. And it might be the most painful thing you've ever experienced. But God's faithful. Let's pray and respond to the Lord. God, sometimes I don't understand. As clear and simple as the gospel is, as our calling is, sometimes I don't quite understand you. don't understand that you don't just come get us. You don't just fix the brokenness. I don't understand how you could let a two-month-old or two-year-old and four-month-old experience the amount of abandonment and pain they've experienced. But God, you're wiser than me. You're doing something that I don't get. I don't understand. You just, in your, in your grace and your mercy, you invite me and every single other person in this room to come and be along in the journey of letting people behold your Son. Not just as a good guy. As the Lamb of God. Who can redeem and enter into brokenness and obliterate it, destroy it. So, Jesus, thank you for your grace and love. Thank you for loving us, for saving us. God, would you work in our midst? Would you lead us to trust you more and behold you more? In Christ's name, amen.